The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to St. Matthew. Jesus left the house and sat by the lakeside, but such crowds gathered round him that he got into a boat and sat there. The people all stood on the beach, and he told them many things in parables. He said, Imagine a sower going out to sow. As he sowed, some fell on the edge of the path, and the birds came and ate them up. Others fell on patches of rock where they had little soil and sprang up straight away because there was no depth of earth. But as soon as the sun came, they were scorched, and not having any roots, they withered away. Others fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked them. Others fell on rich soil and produced their crop, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. Listen, anyone who has ears. Then the disciples went up to him and asked, Why do you talk to the people in parables? Because, he replied, the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven are revealed to you, but they are not revealed to them. For anyone who has will be given more, and he will have more than enough. But from anyone who has not, even what he has will be taken away. The reason I talk to them in parables is that they look without seeing and listen without hearing or understanding. So, in their case, this prophecy of Isaiah is being fulfilled. You will listen and listen again, but not understand. See and see again, but not perceive. For the heart of this nation has grown coarse. Their ears are dull of hearing, and they have shut their eyes. For fear they should see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their heart, and be converted and be healed by me. But happy are your eyes because they see, your ears because they hear. I tell you solemnly, many prophets and holy men long to see what you see and never saw it, to hear what you hear and never heard it. You, therefore, are to hear the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom without understanding, the evil one comes and carries off what was sown in his heart. This is the man who received the seed on the edge of the path. The one who received it on patches of rock is the man who hears the word and welcomes it at once with joy. But he has no root in him. He does not last. Let some trial come or some persecution on account of the word, and he falls away at once. The one who received the seed in thorns is the man who hears the word, but the worries of the world and the lure of riches choke the word, and he produces nothing. And the one who received the seed in rich soil is the man who hears the word and understands it. He is the one who yields a harvest and produces now a hundredfold, now sixty, now thirty. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. In some ways, this is one of those rare occasions where Jesus provides not only the gospel reading, but the homily as well. He's broken open the parable for us, which is wonderful, isn't it? Um, as I said at the beginning, what we're doing right now is such a radical privilege that it ought to shock us every time we gather here. Like maybe we've just become 
numb to the fact that God is speaking to us. That should leave us absolutely in awe. Like we should tremble when we come here. God is speaking to us very, very directly. Uh, very sort of elaborately as well. He's not just saying banal things. He's saying some pretty profound things that is addressed to each one of us. And God notices, by the way, when one of us is not here. This is why we have such a thing as the obligation to come and gather, because we're meant to be here. God actually feels the lack if he casts his word out and where is, where is the target? Where is the rich soil that is all of you? So here we are, listening with hopefully very, very keen ears to the privilege of being addressed by our God. There's some interesting connections that I've been noticing in the readings these past few weeks. I mentioned one, I think it was last Sunday, where the, where the reading said, um, Behold, your king comes to you, humble, riding on a donkey. Remember that reading? It was the Palm Sunday image. Today we have a different image from later in the year. Uh, it's, it's in that rain coming down and not leaving until it's achieved its purpose. You might remember that hymn we sang, Rorate Chaley. Rorate Chaley Dei Super. Remember that one? Um, the translation is, Drop down ye heavens from above and let the skies pour forth righteousness. Isn't that glorious? It's a messianic prophecy because that's not just some rain on a Tuesday morning. That's the rain who is Jesus. Jesus rains down from heaven and then does something before he leaves. And he doesn't leave until he's achieved his purpose. That happens in the incarnation. That happens with Jesus coming among us in a very concrete, historical way. But it happens indefinitely. It happens perpetually as we gather. Heaven is raining down upon you, always. God is addressing you, always. These themes are meant to keep overlapping as we gather for Mass. Actually, I want to say it's, it's become increasingly clear to me in these first two years of my priesthood that there's really only one Mass. Did you know that? There's only one Mass that we have. It's infinitely deep. We keep entering it from different angles. We keep hearing different readings and there's different seasons to color our entry and to sort of unfurl the mystery. But there's only one Mass that we have. Jesus died once. You were baptized once. Everything that, that God does for us is sort of definitive and permanent. And the Mass is one of those mysteries. So we're gathering here, I don't know what time it is for you, I don't know how many Masses you've come to, but really, more truly, you're re-entering, hopefully deeper, hopefully with a deeper sense of the privilege, the same singular mystery of Christ, His dying and His rising, and therefore your dying and rising in Him. Very, very powerful. There's only one Mass, and also, finally, God has said really only one thing. The Catechism makes this very clear. It says, in the person of Jesus, who is the Word, the Father has said all he needs to say. Jesus. That's what he said to the world, which is indicative of his love, of our need for him, of, of his healing work among us, etc., etc., etc. Everything that we could expound after that, God has said only one thing, and he, he said enough. He said Jesus to us. In light of the readings, then, I want to invite us 
to be like rich soil. Because chances are these readings we've heard many, many times, many of them. Um, it begs the question, what does that word, when it rains down on us, do? What purpose does it achieve before it returns to the Father? That's a very good question to ask. You know, because we all have our own frail, broken hearts, sometimes it's easier to hear God say some things than other things. Um, it's easier to bear fruit, let's say, from certain readings than it is from others. But we ought to challenge ourselves when that happens. What are the words that God has said to us that have, let's say, not borne fruit? We've somehow kept them at bay. The word has come, but it's been choked by our own concerns, our own priorities. It's, um, it's come, but there's been no depth to till and to, and to bring um, a, strong, a strength to that word in our lives. It's come, but it's been eaten up by, I don't know, the company we keep or the, or the things that surround us. God has said many things to us. I was thinking, um, if there are things that God has said which are difficult to take, maybe those are the things we need to sort of lean into and become extra sensitive to. And there are many things that Jesus says that are quite jarring. <laughs> we only need to flip open the Gospels a little bit to say, whoa, Christ is really pressing the nerve here. No one comes to the Father except through me. How much fruit has that borne in each of our lives? 30-fold? 60-fold? What does it mean for you, for your family, for our community? It doesn't mean we become the most um, bigoted people who think, oh no, everyone else is, everyone else is on the wrong track. But, but what does it bear? You know, how does it challenge us to bear fruit to the world? Or when Jesus says, just a few Sundays ago, unless you hate your mother and your father and your children, etc., 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 you're not worthy of me. You think, holy moly, what are you, what are you inviting us to here, Lord? But he's inviting us to something, otherwise he wouldn't have said that. So what's it bringing forth? 30? 60? 100? The implication is all of these words can bear abundant fruit in your life. If we get rid of the weeds, if we get rid of the thorns, if we till and excavate and get rid of all of that rocky stuff that interrupts the process, if we shoo away the birds that come and gobble up the seeds when they're scattered, if we can be truly good soil. The word humility, it comes from the same word that means earth, the humus. To be humble is to be planted on the ground, okay? But it also means to be a rich soil in which the seed of God's word can germinate, and, and flourish abundantly. It just takes off. This is the task for all of us, not just today, and not just at every Mass we gather at, but really over the course of our whole lives. After we leave this place and we go back to our private worship, if you like, what's the good soil that we're cultivating? So that when God speaks, we hear, we listen, we understand, and we bear much fruit. I want to finish with a story that you would be familiar with. It comes from uh, the first book of Kings. Close your eyes and listen to this. Because beyond everything that I've said, 
I think the great consolation is that when God speaks, A, God is trustworthy, and B, God provides. Like we're not going to be left without when God speaks and we trust His voice. Listen to this. Then the word of the Lord came to me. You can take that as all of us. Then the word of the Lord came to me. Arise, go to Zarephath, which is which belongs to Sidon, and dwell there. Behold, I have commanded a widow to feed you. I've commanded a widow to feed you. So he, this is Elijah the prophet, arose and went to Zarephath, and when he came to the gate of the city, behold, a widow was there gathering sticks. And he called to her and said, Bring me a little water in a vessel that I may drink. And as she was going to bring it, he called out to her and said, Bring me a morsel of bread in your hand. Now listen to this. She said, As the Lord God lives, I have nothing baked, only a handful of meal in a jar, and a little oil in a cruise. And now I am gathering a couple of sticks that I may go in and prepare it for myself and my son, that we may eat it and die. This is in a time of famine. She's a widow. She has one companion, her son, and they have nothing left. And there's no sign of this famine ending. So they're going to have their last supper. They're going to eat and then give their life back to God. Elijah said to her, Fear not. Go and do as you have said, but first. Here's the test of faith, isn't it? Not after you've provided for yourself, but first. Make me a little cake of it and bring it to me. And afterwards, make for yourself and your son. How inconvenient this prophet might have seemed. Elijah, go away. We're going to die. For thus says the Lord, the jar of meal shall not be spent, the cruise of oil shall not fail, until the day of the Lord rains upon the earth. You know how this story ends, don't you? Listen to this. And she went and did as Elijah said, and she and he and her household ate for many days. The jar of meal was not spent, neither was the cruise of oil, according to the word that the Lord spoke to Elijah. Those who have ears, let them hear.